romance nerds you're about to be very glad you didn't skip this episode because we have an amazing treat for you today jackie and i are talking to the new york times best-selling author and michelangelo of dirty talk herself the incredible tessa bailey hey there romance nerds Welcome back to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen. I'm Jackie. And this podcast is brought to you by Northern Onondaga Public Library. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about all things related to Romance Landia. With that being said, please be aware that sometimes our material may be a little too sensitive for younger listeners. If you need to wait until they go to bed, we'll still be here for you. So without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I'm ready, Jackie. All right. Let's rage! Hey, Jen and Tessa. Hey, Jackie. Hey. What do you call a cow who has just had her baby? A moo mom? Decaffeinated. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I'm I so can't... glad I came. <laughs> oh, yay. Okay, good. That just really sets the tone for about how this is about to go. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you again so much to Tessa Bailey for coming on the podcast. We're really excited to get to talk to you today a little bit about romance and your work and your brand new book coming out on June 6th. To anybody who has not pre-ordered, get in there right under the wire. So for our listeners who don't know you very well yet, can you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about how you got started writing? Yes, um, I'm Tessa Bailey. I live on Long Island. I write, um, I've been writing romance for nine years. Mm It's something I am obsessed with. So I'm really lucky I get to do it as a job. (laughs) It's my favorite thing in the world, romance. And um, I got started because I I, I needed to figure out what I was good at because I had a baby and I needed to provide for my baby and and be a good example for her. And so like I was, it was kind of a rapid scramble to figure out like what my career could be. what I could be because I was, you know, I really didn't have a ton of direction um, until I found romance. Mm. So my husband was out of work because of a hurricane and I was like, here's the baby. I'm going to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) So he he took baby duties and I just like wrote Protecting What's His, my first book. And I wrote it in like three weeks. I was just like, I had this creative outlet, Mm -hmm. like finally, and I could do it. And, um, Mm -hmm. I also thought maybe this could be my only chance to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where it, that's where it started. Was it something you always kind of wondered that you could be good at forever, or was it just like a sudden like baby uh-huh. right now? It's so funny. Like I used to like for weeks at a time would create these elaborate stories mm-hmm. in my head. Like I would. I would start at the very beginning of two people meeting and then I would go on to like the next part of their relationship and the next and I would sit at family gatherings and people would be talking to me and I would just be like the story would be taking place <laughs> in my head yeah. and then people would be like what do you want to do with your life and I'd be like I don't know the universe hasn't sent me any signs yet <laughs> I don't know um and it was so obvious that I was supposed to be writing romance and um I was just doing it in my head uh and I never really thought I could do it as a profession because it just seemed like something smart people did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm lucky enough to have had people like it and mm-hmm. stay with me while I got better at it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. were you always a romance reader? No, I will. I mean, yes, I started when I was 14. Uh, so I think that's probably as early as it should have started. And I, 
the first time I read a book, it was Sandra Brown, Hidden Fires. And it was a historical that took yes. place during the gold rush. And I was like, what's this? Like, I was <laughs> like, oh my God. Um, I found it in my grandmother's luggage at like a family reunion. Mm -hmm. And I just read it cover to cover and then read it cover to cover again and um, never looked back. I'm grinning like an idiot right now because my first romance book was also Sandra Brown <laughs> when I was 14 and it was her other historical that like she was well known known for Sunset Embrace mm. which is set on the Oregon Trail. Maybe I probably read that one immediately after yeah Hidden funny. Fires. Yeah that's she's so funny. Like a, she's like a gateway to romance. She is <laughs> and she's she's so prolific that yeah. you know she's great. Mm -hmm. She's like you so prolific. <laughs> a little dirt on the end of my nose here okay um, <laughs> what was the book was it hidden fires that made you love romance or was there another one that really like just inspired you to be a romance writer there was like I there was this book I think it was called night magic or something by Kat Martin that mm -hmm. was about uh, a ship captain oh, hey. <laughs> I think we all know how that turned out Hello, <laughs> who like he was in love with the ocean and she in cat martin in the very first like in the opening of the the book she said that the, the that song brandy by through the looking glass you know they say they say brandy she said she wrote that book for that song and i was like <gasps> and then i just became obsessed with this like ocean like mm -hmm. sea captain stowaway like genre like subgenre and so I think that's where I really, really fell in love with romance was when I started reading about sea captains. <laughs> I mean, that's a good origin story to me. Yes. It is. And it turned out so well. And it Full happened circle. one summer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I read in one of your author bios, you originally wanted to be a journalist before you started writing romance. Is there any overlap between being a reporter and a romance author we might be surprised by? I think maybe a little bit, you know, like the number one rule of journalism is don't bury the lead, you know, mm -hmm. and I think um, that's been a really good, um, a really good rule to follow in terms of like hooking, you know, like mm -hmm. hooking people from the first chapter, hooking people from the first paragraph of the next chapter, like there has to be some sort of like boom statement to draw people into the next chapter or the even end a chapter, you know, like so I just think like um, putting it all on the page, not not dragging it out too long is definitely a good rule that I follow in romance. And um, so other people do slow burns and different things really well. But this is like something that I think I might have learned from journalism. Yeah. Um, so you are quite active on the ticky talky <laughs> on the TikTok. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, don't be sorry. I'm a TikToker too. I love it. Also, I recognize your wallpaper. Yes. <laughs> famous wallpaper the infamous wallpaper I've always been jealous of that <laughs> oh wallpaper you get to see it in person I know for people listening they're like what the heck are you talking about it's a very gorgeous floral it's beautiful Anyways, I'm very jealous too turn signal sorry all right so on a recent TikTok you talked about how you got your first Brazilian wax for mm -hmm. research purposes mm -hmm. as librarians we definitely appreciate your dedication your dedication to accuracy mm -hmm. and your attention to detail what does your research process typically look like um for story like story generating it depends you know like sometimes I'm just writing something I know or mm -hmm. like something sometimes I just research as I go along but other times I'm, I'm going into something that I'm totally blind with like 
like king crab fishing, you know, like obviously <laughs> I have to research ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Like, like right now I'm, um, I'm writing a series that's set in Napa and they are winemakers. And I was oh. like, oh, I know that about drinking wine, not so much <laughs> wine. So I had to watch like a lot of documentaries, um, you know, like about winemaking that are so, like, it's, it actually made me want to stop writing about winemaking oh because it's so foofy and like, it's so like, it's a little bit ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I, fi- I think I found a way to make it just fun and um, kind of like surface level knowledge that isn't so boring. but yeah you have to know a little bit about what you're talking about and I think when I read a romance novel I like to learn something a little bit once in a while that's true I like the same way yeah I like that's why I kind of pick wacky professions for my characters Mm -hmm. because I think it's like oh I want to read a a book about like you know a clown or like a a birthday party (laughs) clown or something that's off the wall because it just adds a little bit of you know a little bit of uh interest to Mm -hmm. it just it's something that you're not you're not totally Mm -hmm. familiar with no, I agree 100%. That's something that really attracts me to your books too, is you have such like cool professions. It's and not just like different. the same thing over and over again. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. It's Thank really you. fun. Thanks. So speaking of TikTok, you're so engaged there and on other social media. You have been publishing since 2013. How has interacting with your readers and promoting your books changed since you first got started? Yeah, it's changed a lot. You know, I think um, in the very beginning, I like, I like refused to even download Instagram. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was too much. <laughs> Which is so silly, like thinking about it now. Um, but I like, I just had a Facebook group. Like I had a f- private like Facebook group of like 3000 ladies. Mm-hmm. And that was like all I needed. Like we were just like a big, I would just go in there and I'd post about releases or like what was coming up. And then everybody had a Facebook group and that stopped like working. It stopped being like a thing that everybody came to every day because they had 400 other ones to go to. Yeah. And that was like, oh, oh, okay. I guess I better download Instagram now. Um, and then TikTok was really just by accident. Like I really don't even think I'd be on it had the pandemic not happened because mm-hmm. it became a coping me- mechanism for me and my daughter, mm-hmm. um, like we felt really disconnected. Like we were really locked down. My husband got very sick with COVID. It was on a ventilator and like, we, like, that's how we connected with the outside world. And I fell in love with not just the platform itself, but like, I feel like the generation that created it mm-hmm. is very, um, I feel like I share a lot of the sensibilities of the, of that generation, just kind of like laughing at, like, enjoying things that are weird and like Mm -hmm. laughing at yourself and um sort of the peculiarities of life that are pointed out on TikTok really appeals to me and I feel like there's nothing I can say on there that people don't um I don't know like it's not nothing is weird like nothing is too weird I can pretty (laughs) much say anything yeah like it really people are like Tessa you're so unhinged I love it I'm like great (laughs) I guess that's a good thing now Mm -hmm. So, um, it, yeah, I just like found it really exciting to, to like connect with readers on there and I've, it's boosted my confidence in myself because I never, like, I would be be writing before and I'd be like, I don't know if this is funny. Am I the only one that thinks this is funny? Mm -hmm. And now that like, I have a TikTok, I'm like, no, I really, I think this is funny. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I think that I'm going to write this because like I'm getting validated sort of by people (laughs) laughing at me. (laughs) So it's been really great, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm so 
grateful that people enjoy it and mm -hmm. uh, come look, look at me. <laughs> come look at my face talking every day. <laughs> I mean, you're like the only TikToker I like. So like, I do really appreciate you being on there. I don't know. I just feel like when I watch you and when I watch other others, there's authors, there's like something that you, you just seem to get more about it. Like, I don't know. I really enjoy you on TikTok. It's like the I only time I'm happy when, to her. yeah, it's the only time I'm happy she sends me TikToks is when it's yours. <laughs> well, thank you. That means a lot. I think, yes. yeah, it's really just, um, just being a hundred percent myself, mm -hmm. uh, and do not like, I'm like, I, I'm like, I find it really difficult to even market my books on there. Good job on TikTok. I hate TikTok so much except for you. It's great. Yeah, I want to take this one again too. Okay. So Entertainment Weekly said you were the Michelangelo of dirty talk, which I 100% agree with. But here at Raging Romantics, we also think you're the cardiologist of the page because you write these really beautiful, tender statements that just like grab me in the chest and by the heartstrings. So how do you constantly manage to make love feel so fresh and different in every one of your books? Because I know, like, yes, romance exists so often in tropes, and we read, like, hundreds of romances every year, but it just feels so fresh with you. So, like, is, is, do you have, like, have any idea or can talk at all about, like, how that, how you write that? Yeah, I wish I, I don't know. I So I think, like, uh, certain statements that, like, seem to resonate with me more are, like, not flowery. I, I don't know, like... I think like people talk a certain way and think a certain way and it's not in like poetic language. Right. And so I think when I when I went, when I really want to write something that's coming from the heart of one of my characters, I, it's like, they're learning it at the same time as that I am. It's not rehearsed. It's like, I'm trying to explain this thing that's happening inside me and it's very difficult to explain it, but I'm going to do my best and it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be, but it's going to be real and it's gonna be from the heart and it's not, so it ends up because each character is so different, it probably ends up sounding a little bit different with each character and like there's an originality to it because I try to make no two, no two characters the same if I can, you know, like it's been 60 books. So <laughs> I'm sure that some of them are similar, but um, no, I think like, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I think that those are my favorite parts of the book is when they just kind of are, trying to get out what's happening inside them and it comes out a little bit um clumsy sometimes but I feel like that's when it that's when it's the most beautiful to me yeah. it feels real yeah it's like raw but not in a unprocessed way it's yeah. like it, like like you said it's very original and like true to them yeah it's really yeah I have so many of your lines highlighted it's embarrassing <laughs> we're not fangirling I promise <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. I'll, t I'll take it. Give it to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so going off of that, can you give us a little sneak peek into what your writing process is like? Yeah, I, I definitely write chronologically. Um, I tend to, so I start with the characters. I think the characters are just like the most important part to me. They drive the story. They're what I remember from a book. I always remember characters. I know I don't usually remember plot, you know, um, and so I start with their past because I think your past really makes you, makes a person, you know, the trauma, the, the triumphs, the shame from your past, those are important. And then I give them the place I want them to end up at the end of the book, you know? And so usually once I have those two things for each character, I can weave, weave together their lives and figure out what about their pasts and futures mean they can't be together in the present that makes sense. Yeah. 
you know, a romance novel, like the most important part of a romance novel is, is why, why two characters cannot be together. Um, it has to be real, a good reason. So that's where I start. I don't plot super strictly because I find like once I meet the characters and they get on the page together, like they really just are not what I expected. They tend to be like a whole new, like once they're together, to, like on the page and acting together, like I'm like, oh, I didn't see this coming or like they don't talk the way I thought they were gonna talk or they don't interact the way I thought. So I like to give like pillars throughout the plot of like where I know the beats that I need to hit, you know, throughout the book. But then in between those beats, I like to leave a little room for creativity or like just organic movement basically. So we've talked to other authors who have a lot of kind of like abandoned manuscripts. So thinking of the way you, you write, are there, are there like Tessa Bailey works out there that you gave up on or like are at a graveyard somewhere that could come back if you kind of figure those two pieces out or like the right beat? No, I don't have any abandoned manuscripts anymore. I have one, uh, I have one book that was written that never got published and it was about a hockey player. Um, oh. <laughs> because his mouth just dropped open. <laughs> You should try to bring it back. I know. Hockey game, it's perfect. We don't stalk you, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, yeah. I a lot of people are asking me for hockey romance in the the last day or two. Um, I'm like, wait, you guys understand the video is about me not understanding hockey, (laughs) Because the hockey player has to explain hockey to the heroines. You guys can learn at the same time. Wait, 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 wait. She has to write a story about the hockey team, and she knows nothing about hockey. And she, it's like, like, uh, like the skating movie where it's like he's a hockey player and she's an a figure cutting skater. edge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like where she, yeah, like she's actually she wants to take she wants to do like serious journalism, like she wants to go to like you know like report in the like the battles like in the yeah. war. She wants to be overseas. And she's like, I'm just doing this to like pay the bills right now and this yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. And then he's like, okay. He's like, I'll challenge you. Like I'll spend two weeks with me and I'll get you to love hockey. And then she's like, you know, okay. Yeah. I, anyways, I'm writing a book now. <laughs> All right, well if this book comes out, you guys heard it here first, okay? <laughs> coming in coming in the fall. <laughs> um but like yeah uh yeah, I have a hockey romance that never got published and I like it was kind of like a test to see if I could do it and if I could like actually start a project and finish it. And um I it just kind of I think it's like I, I could probably revisit it sometime but and then I have another one that was about like a piano prodigy hero. Cool. Oh. Uh, that was like very serious and dark. And then I watched Ted Lasso and I scrapped <laughs> it and started writing window shopping. <laughs> So that's sitting around somewhere. That's so cool that you don't have, like, that you finished all of your projects. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's like some of them are shit when they, when you finish them, but then, like, you know, you, you revise them until they're good, you know, like, so, I mean, most first drafts are terrible, and then my editor and I get, get into it and start fixing it. So there could be a lot of, you know, abandoned manuscripts out there if I didn't uh, have an editor to help me sort of like, huh. yeah, make sense of things. Cool. Um, on a turd signal here, have you read any great romances lately that everybody should go out and either buy or check out from the library? 
So my favorite romance author these days is definitely Kate Claiborne. I really, really enjoy her. She wrote Love Lettering and Love at First. She's just like this very, she just like has this beautiful way of writing these slow burns that are like very, I don't know how to describe them. Like the tension is so thick that like, like him touching her hand, you're just like, <gasps> like, oh my God, he's touching her hand, you know? And she can like weave these beautiful magical stories and the heroines are always really relatable. And um, I, I find comfort in that. Like, that's why I love reading Mariana Zapata because I like her heroines, like I like know, I know them inside and out, like by chapter four. And I really relate to them. I relate to their, you know, dedication to their families and whatever their profession is. And like, it's just so relatable to me. Um, but yeah, Kate Claiborne, I'd say was probably um, love lettering. If you haven't read it, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous novel. I will buy one for my bookmobile. She'll add it to the collection. Yay! <laughs> Along with all the Tessa Bailey books. Yes, obviously. Those are first. So obviously anyone who listens to our podcast better already love you. But for the listeners that still need to get on the bandwagon, what is your recommendation for a first-time Tessa Bailey read? Um, oh, that's such a good question. I, I've been telling everybody just to read It Happened One Summer because that yeah. seems to be that seems to be the one that like um old like it seems like 70% of my readers now are new uh because they read it happened one summer um so that seems to be the one um, I recommend the most but like I don't you know there's so many like there's so many out there that I I was thinking today like I have a book called heat stroke that is actually male male and it's um a lifeguard and from beach kingdom because I know yeah you <laughs> But I, but I like, I was looking at it today because I got, I'm actually putting new covers on that series and I was looking at it today and it has like, I don't know, like 150 reviews on Amazon and I'm like, nobody's read this book. And it's like one of my favorite books, you know, like I love Marcus O'Shaughnessy, like one of my favorite heroes of all time. And then there's uh, Duke from like the Worked Up, um, Worked Up is one of my favorites as well. He's like a sort of like a, a mechanic with a dad bod and like he's yeah. just just wants everyone to leave him alone so we can watch sports center and yeah. <laughs> this like girl stumbles into the bar uh in New Jersey and he immediately is like well I guess I'm not going to be single anymore <laughs> <That's it. laughs> uh, yeah so I I like heat stroke worked up like risking it all is still one of my favorites of all time I have so many that I yeah. You know, Getaway Girl, Getaway Girl. Oh, I love, I love Getaway Girl. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like people to read that. I yeah. love the one though that um, takes place in medieval times. That one. Renaissance Man? Yeah, oh, from the yes. series. Yeah, because it's part of the series. That one is amazing. Did you go to the Renaissance Fair for that? No, but I, I did go to a joust once. I, I've been to like medieval times, um, you know, but I like, I I went to a Scottish festival in here on Long Island before and there was a joust and there was like Scottish games and that's where I kind of it just like took up residence in the back of my head and then I had the perfect opportunity to use it uh yeah that was only like a five or six chapter book that I just like had a I had so much fun writing it but it was just for like uh sort of just to, to button up that secondary character that was in the story um yeah no I love that whole series getaway girl runaway girl oh yeah yeah 
It's interesting because it happened one summer, I think, was one of the first books I became aware of on TikTok that, like, blew up because of TikTok. I mean, it's an awesome book. And it was just, like, I feel like a lot of those new readers are coming to it because of social media and because of the hype on social media. Mm-hmm. And also Shit's Creek. It's inspired by Shit's Creek, which yeah. is an amazing show. So, you know. <laughs> Um, anybody who hasn't read that book should definitely read it. The Getaway Girl, um, and then uh, um, Hot the Hot and Hammered series. I yeah. love Hot and Hammered. The, that's where the clown metaphor came yeah. in. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I I the, I feel like those books were did well, and then after everybody finished reading it happened one summer and Hook Line and Sinker, they were like, oh, she has more cartoon covers. <laughs> let's go check those out um so those have been getting like those are like re uh like those have been like re-energized and um it's just like a dream come true you know like you I I I mean I just like you know you you end up like writing books if you do it this long sometimes you just write them for like the two or three people that like really love them and like reach out to you and like you have to be okay with that because you're just doing it for the love of writing and so this is just like, it's just like really icing on the cake to have like that, this many people reading the book. And like, I never thought I'd see a, one of my books with like 14,000 Amazon reviews. Like that is just something out of a dream. So um, whatever TikTok gods I have to thank <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah, major love for that. So let's get into a little bit about your new book, which we are super excited to read, My Killer Vacation. Your new book is about a trip turned deadly when the heroine discovers a body in the rental house she's supposed to be staying in. Did you ever have a vacation that was that bad? <laughs> <sighs> Let me think. Um, I mean, I don't think I've ever had one that bad. No, I mean. Like, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> ne- never one with a dead body. Uh, but like, I definitely, we, we vacationed uh, in Cape Cod twice, my family. Um, and every time I go there, I'm, I'm super, like, I get the juices start flowing for a book because it's very picturesque, but it's also kind of got this, like, "Mm, what's happening behind all these closed doors feeling like there's definitely just like, you know, anything that's on like a coastline with like that many rocks and ocean spray and fog, like is very inspiring. (laughs) So yeah, I finally got a chance to write something that takes place there. And uh, it was really nice already knowing the landscape of it and like what the people are like in the town. Um, but yeah, like this book is really fun, you guys. Like it is, really it's like my favorite two, my two favorite things, romance and true crime. Yes. I get to make an Amanda Knox reference in a book, which is a real Ooh. win for me. <laughs> Felt good. We're two big true crimeies yeah. here. So we, we, I'm especially yeah. excited for that part. I'm excited so for excited. all of it, but like, especially the true crime references, yeah. I think are going to be really fun. Yeah. I feel bad about that. I shouldn't enjoy true crime as much <laughs> as I do, but like, I'm still going to it. I feel like that ship has sailed. Like, it's obvious yeah. that we all like it now. Yeah. I mean, I started listening to, I, so I listened to like the Morbid podcast yes. and My Favorite Murder. Yeah. So, um, when I meet someone that, who doesn't like true crime now, I'm like surprised. I'm like, what do you watch? <laughs> you don't listen to podcasts yeah the person who's not into true crime is the person who would commit the the crime and spot like that would be yeah yeah that's very true keep your distance from that person (laughs) 
speaking of true crime, obviously your heroine loves to listen to true crime and thinks all of her knowledge can be useful in solving this murder. I have a feeling she's just going to get in the hero's way, like 90% of the book. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited if that's the case. Um, were there any podcasts you listened to like Morgan, Mor- wow, Morgan, Morbid, <laughs> or My Favorite Murder that really helped inspire her character? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think it was like two things. It was it was listening to those two podcasts, uh, and also just like the respect I have for pandemic era teachers, like that I wanted to like <laughs> bring into like one melting pot of a book. Um, I just feel like they're so capable and so smart and so underestimated, and I was like, that's the kind of heroine I like to write, you know, like someone who people are like, oh God, this one. And then she ends up like saving the day. Uh, So that's Taylor. (laughs) That's Taylor. She's like, hi, I'll be helping you solve this murder. Like, (laughs) nice to meet you. (laughs) And he's like, go inside and lock the door and don't come out. And and then she's like, "Um, okay, but like, here's a little clue for you. Okay, bye. And then she like runs off. I am so excited. Oh I'm going to be at Barnes & Noble at 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, well, it's self-published. Um, so Barnes & Noble might take a little while to catch on, but uh, on first thing. bear that in mind. But, uh, like, with window shopping, it's weird. Like, I never expected, like, big bookstores to, to like, order it and sell it. And then all of a sudden it was, like, on every on the shelves. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> And so maybe that'll happen with my killer vacation. I but I like to point out it's June. Yeah. I still cannot keep window shopping on the shelf at the library. Oh, yeah. It's still really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Librarian recommends stick around it every time it comes back, so that might be part of it. But <laughs> I mean the filing cabinet scene gets me every time. And I feel like, oh. like Christmassy things in the middle of summer when it's super hot. Christmas in July. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a thing already. Yeah. So it's nice that it's a year-round kind of book. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we it go. goes out a lot here. Oh, I love that. Oh, my God. I love, because I really do like um, Aiden. Uh, he was such a joy, like, joy to write. And, like, I was smiling the entire time I wrote that book. With his, and, and, like, I hadn't written very many grumpy heroines. Yeah. And it felt so good at that time. Like, it felt so good to be, like, um, to write a grump, like a grump heroine. Yeah. I love that. It's a fun book. It really is. Thank you. Yeah. So one of the other things I'm really excited about this book, uh, I love the pairing of uh, like a brooding bounty hunter and a second grade teacher obsessed with true crime. I just think the, the pairing is brilliant and I'm really excited to see how they mesh together. I've loved how a lot of your characters have these careers or there's interests that are great contrast to their partners, like the vampire and the funeral home director, the rock star and his former babysitter, the comedian and her landlord, you know, like I said, like on and on. Uh, you have a knack for putting these awesome combinations together. Can you talk a little bit about how you pick jobs for your characters and like how they like come together? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know where the idea for like the jobs come, comes from, except that I do try to find something that's like um, sort of like a a clue about the character, like about that person's character, you know, like I think you say second grade teacher and you kind of like have an idea. So because like readers are coming into something blind, you know, like they they don't know your character. They don't know your story or your world that you've created. So you're kind of like you're kind of having to drop clues 
uh, in the blurb and things like that. So when you say birthday party clown, you know who I'm talking about, you know what she's like, you know, she's like goofy. She laughs at herself. She's got a good sense of humor. It just kind of like, um, I think it, I really like using that as a device to sort of like give people an insight into the characters that are inside the book, like sea captain, um, you know, like you can get an idea. Uh, yeah, so I mean, socialite, I mean, that's not a job, but you know, um, or just like even just a, a, a woman who is an interior decorator, like Bethany in Tools of Engagement, you sort of, you, you're like, oh, that's a type A right there. That's a type A overachiever who likes things very neat. Um, so I think I like to just give give jobs based on uh, yeah on the character and their personality, but also I like I said you know when you when you're crafting a romance novel you really do want there to be like a reason the two characters can't be together, and I think giving them completely opposite jobs and lifestyles really helps you know give them a little bit more to work towards to get to get common ground. That's true. That's a good point. Really glad I asked. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was wondering, Me too. Like, you've got a great knack for it. Because, like, yeah, we read a lot of romance, and there's just something about your parents that are always so much fun. Yeah, and they're always I different. Yeah, like, they're different. There's the romance tropes every, like, you always play to. Like, every romance yeah. plays to specific tropes. You know, like, we have the grumpy sunshine. We have, you know, like, can't be together because of their jobs. Yeah. But I feel like every job pairing is just so different mm -hmm. and yet it just it always works i've never read about a birthday clown before this is very <laughs> true like that like that's awesome i love that there's more of that coming out or an ex rodeo rider and an yeah. interior decorator i mean perfect like, give me it love it <laughs> give me it <laughs> i will i will give it to you <laughs> all right well obviously everybody listening and everybody who's read your books can tell that you're you're funny you're hilarious tessa just in case you didn't know that um Thanks. tricky was it tricky to write a murder mystery and make it funny or did it just come naturally to you yeah i think it did come a little naturally um i think uh i really do like gravitate towards dark comedy you know like I really loved the show Yellow Jackets did you guys watch Yellow Jackets not yet I've seen the trailer drop wait drop everything and watch Yellow Jackets it's like you know it's like yes things can be tragic and things can be gruesome but also um when people are able to maintain their sense of humor throughout this kind of situations like that's that is that's my sweet spot I love watching tv shows and movies like that um and so, no, it came kind of naturally. And it's like, sort of, sometimes I felt a little bit disrespectful for being like, um, for, for having them like, you know, basically, uh, you know, having oral sex while trying to solve a crime of someone who like literally died. But at the same time, it's like, um, I don't know, emotions are really high in a situation like that. And, you know, your, your endorphins and your, your adrenaline are pumping, you know, it's actually kind of sexy. Um, uh, if you don't think about like decaying flesh and things like that. <laughs> if it's early enough, like by the time they've been murdered, like yeah. it makes sense to me. Yeah. Maybe if you're like yeah. months in, then it's a little yeah. different. It works. Oh, <laughs> Licking hands around over here. No, like, especially because like the woman's in danger, there's a lot of that. And so he's protective. And so that is always to me like, oh, I mean, that, I mean, I'm a, a, a I'm like a feminist and then and then like tell me like a woman is in danger and I'm like oh is he protective is he, <laughs> does he 
not let her go outside? Like, tell me everything, <laughs> you know? I feel like in romantic suspense, too, that's something that's just entirely common. Yeah. It's like in those moments of danger, I mean, mm-hmm. it's technically trauma bonding, but at the same time, it's just so sexy. Yeah. It is sexy. And like, you know, especially when she is like determined to like put herself in danger at, any, at every turn and like um, make bad decisions, you know, but this, this character makes good decisions, I would say, but she definitely mm, probably doesn't realize that the level of danger she's in. So there's a lot of, you know, um, the obligatory grumpy, you know, don't go anywhere without telling me. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm even more excited right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Less than a week. <laughs> so you've started out with more of the romantic suspense genre with your crossing the line, line of duty yeah. series. <laughs> uh, your books since then have started gunning a little closer to like rom-com, especially with your most recent bestsellers. What made you step back into the realm of romantic suspense now? I don't know. I think some I think I'm well truthfully uh i'm not allowed contractually to compete with um books that i write for avon so like if i um if i want to self-publish something like i can't write a full-length rom-com and be like you know and slap a cartoon cover on it and be like here you go it's just like the other ones because that's like i'm in violation of my contract uh, so that's the truth of it. So I, but what I love about that is that it forces me to be creative. Like it forces me to go, um, let me give vampires a try. <laughs> like, why not? I would love to write vampires or let me write a Christmas book. Um, or, you know, write like go back and write some new adult things like that. So it kind of, it forces me to, to step outside of my comfort zone and not keep writing the same things over and over again, which I never want to do. And uh, so it's it's led to some really good things. Like it's read, it's just led to me trying other genres out, or um, you know, just like flexing a different muscle. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I get to, I get, I, I mean, like I feel like this book is definitely a romantic suspense, but I think it's pretty obvious that it's because it's a bounty hunter and a school teacher that it's also going to have a lot of laughs inside. Um, and I feel like that's just where I'm at right now. I don't think I can write anything without laughter because. I think everyone needs it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> especially me. Well, not especially me, but all it, it uh, you yeah, know. Does. Yeah. yeah. Including me, I should have said. Yeah. 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 <laughs> was the hero in this one, I have to know, in, or was even the plot line inspired by Gerard Butler and the Bounty Hunter at all? <laughs> no, uh, no, he wasn't. Um, but I haven't seen that movie. So I didn't even realize it was, a, I know. It's it's a Long been, Islander, Tessa. I, 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 that was actually when you emailed and said that, that was the first time I'd ever heard of the book or that movie. And so like, I have to go watch it. He locks Jennifer Aniston in a card trunk. Why? That's so mean. And she breaks out running down the highway. Oh, okay, well, I mean, that's better, but. I know, see, now that sounds familiar. That sounds like I've seen my commercial. Uh, okay, well, I'm definitely gonna watch it. I'll watch it this weekend. Um, now that now that I don't need the book research anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it can be fun again. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. No, I haven't seen it. Ah. Oh. Well, okay. Still talking about inspiration, then. We heard and slash read that your first book, Protecting What's His, was inspired by a hot police officer you saw on vacation. Was that was that that's true, right? 
It's kind of true. It's in, it was inspired by a, a hot police officer that I saw after Hurricane Sandy. Okay. No. Uh, directing traffic outside my, like, that, the whole, like, the area where my parents live in Queens was, like, decimated. Like, it was just, like, cars on top of each other and, like, everything was flooded. And um, so when I went down there to help them clean up, there was this cop, like, directing traffic because the stoplights were out. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, and I mean, like, I literally two days later, I started writing Protecting What's His because my, my husband was out of work because his bar got flooded where he works. Um, and yeah, he was just so grumpy. He didn't want to be there. <laughs> he was just like very surly, square jaw, you know, just like looked like he was chewing nails. Ooh, yes, <laughs> the perfect romance hero right there. Right there. <laughs> was there anything similar that inspired, besides the true crime, that inspired your characters in this book? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I really, I don't know where the idea came from. I can't remember. Like, I just... I don't really remember, um, but I, I do know that like watching the pandemic teachers uh, sort of like um, operate the last few months and try to maintain cheerfulness in the uh, in in the in the face of such like difficult conditions like really made me want to write a teacher that was like unflaggingly optimist optimistic. Uh, so in a way, I guess that was inspired that by that. But as far as the bounty hunter, I was just like, I don't know, I. I think I just really wanted to write somebody who was like like, scary as hell. Um, And to me, that is a job that requires you to be like, I mean, just to not care about your own safety and just like you are not, uh, you're kicking down doors and you're taking names and and you don't care who likes you. So that's exactly what I wanted in in this hero. Well, I'm really glad you didn't have, you didn't need to meet a bounty hunter. <laughs> you never want to meet a bounty hunter, to be honest. Like yeah. you did something wrong. If you, <laughs> so that's good. I'm glad about that. You me. might be being arrested if you if you're meeting. Bounty hunter. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share about this book? Uh, no. I mean, it's um, it's fun. It's really fast. It's like very fast paced. Um, it's like I don't. I don't drag out the crime. It's very like, you know, bricks being thrown through windows and people being bashed over heads and bodies turning up. And, you know, like it's, it's very, very fast and fun. And um, it, this is the backlash that happened after I wrote Hook, Line and Sinker because <laughs> Hook, Line and Sinker was a slow burn for me. And I was like, when I started writing My Killer Vacation, I was like, they're fucking in chapter four. <laughs> like I was like, we're doing this. Like, so um, like I was just like ready to go. And uh, so this is what, yeah, this is what happens when you bottle me up a little bit too much. <laughs> I'm so excited for the characters, yeah. the teacher character, because of course teachers during the pandemic, they deserve every ounce of kindness and respect and like- And hot bounty hunters. Yeah, hunter. and they deserve all the hot bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. They like, do. My chapter four, they deserve it. Mm-hmm. So. Falling in love with them unconditionally on site. <laughs> I am so psyched. June 6th for that one. June 6th. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it will be at the library. I have pre-ordered it. So library right. listeners, it will be here. Put it on hold. Um, to change gears before we finish up really quick, just to talk about what's coming next. I, on your TikTok, noticed that you're writing a reverse harem book. Yes. Um, 
I'm sure you don't want to give too much away, but can you discuss a little bit about it? Maybe like a sneak, sneak peek? Yeah. So I am actually starting it on Monday. Um, I had to finish up an, a project like that winemaking project I was just telling you about. I just finished it yesterday. And um, so I'm going to start, I'm going to start on Monday and I have it plotted. It's like, I've had it plotted for a couple of months now. It's going to be just like a girl who she is the sandwich. She's the sandwich girl at the New York times. She passes out sandwiches at the New York times, but she wants to be a reporter. So she's trying to crack a case to prove herself to her boss. And she's out chasing a lead on Roosevelt Island. And then she gets back on the tram. You know, do you guys know, are you familiar with Roosevelt Island? You, you can only get there by basically cable car. Oh. Like it's, it goes, it's a cable car that runs from Manhattan to this strip of land in the middle of the East River. And then that's the only way you can get there. And so, so she's done, she's chasing a lead. She gets into a little bit of trouble and she's running to get back onto the cable car and she gets into one with three men and then it gets stuck. So cool. <laughs> she meets these three men. Uh, one is a, a, a British ex-porn star named Tobias. Toby! <laughs> Toby. Yes! Sorry. knew he was going to be there. Uh, and then we have um, a man who has been, uh, his wife, his girlfriend just left him for his best friend, who's kind of like a big, kind of like a teddy bear type, like okay. construction worker type. And then we have um, like a very uh, sort of like, I don't know how to describe him. He's a soccer coach uh, for like a professional soccer team and he's very straight laced like Ted Lasso a little bit because you've already mentioned him once no it would be more like a Red Bulls like um he's an American American soccer team yeah so he's not but he's not like Ted Lasso at all he's just like he's overachiever type he's kind of very much like the heroine she's got these three men uh one that's very kind of like her one that she has like a very antagonistic relationship with and then one that she genuinely um like likes is attracted to but also as a friend so there's these three very different relationships going on between her and these three men and um so like I just really excited to sink my teeth into it and uh, it's really a challenge for me I love a challenge and I'm like I'm just like, I want to make it the best book I've ever written. You know, like I think like it started as a joke on TikTok and now I'm like, no, 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 this is going to be good. <laughs> like, no, we want it now. And yeah. this, is, this is your second book, right? With multiple pairings, I think. Cause you've only, you've done one threesome before. Uh, yeah, that was kind of like a, a bonus book, like story that I wrote for my Facebook group a long time ago. It was like a cop and a biker and then the girl that like accidentally booked them on the same date on the same day on the, for a date for a date um but yeah this one I it's like it's like she you know they get on this train together and they get stuck and they realize that they're all at this like crossroads of their lives and they have this like real bonding experience that's also intensely sexual so um they have this like they're not they're, they don't live this lifestyle they've never been in this lifestyle before any of them it's very new and so there's also navigating that and like what are we doing <laughs> so I'm, I'm just like I'm excited I kind of feel like it's it's like a reverse harem for like it, the mains it's like mainstream reverse harem I feel like is where I want to come yeah, from it, yeah. it feels like I mean obviously like Indy has had threesomes more sums forever right but I feel like lately with Katie Roberts and some other authors it's creeping more and more into the mainstream yeah is it easier to do this kind of book now in your career than in the beginning 
Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know if it's easier. I feel like more equipped probably. I feel like more equipped to take on something like that I'm not used to um, because I feel like I probably have a little more confidence that I can pull off things that maybe I think are hard in the beginning, but then I just have to like really, you know, <laughs> dirty girls. I had a <laughs> joke when she started talking about the three men on the train. <laughs> Uh, I want to go for a beer with you girls. Uh, but yeah. okay. <laughs> New Yorkers. So anytime you want to come upstate, or maybe we'll just mm-hmm. have to go downstate for a research. Or you know, trip. if you ever want to write about a bookmobile librarian, I've got a really cool bookmobile up here. Okay. All right. Yeah. Or horses. I mean, I'm always looking for I'm always looking for fun new jobs to get my heroines. You know, like that would be super easy to murder me on a bookmobile, and I get into lots of trouble. So the bookmobile you mean is like a, the cart you push with your no, like a literal it's book, a like truck a, yeah it's a truck oh it's a truck I literally drive a bookmobile like a truck oh my Very god fine. it's not no we fixed it it's fine now she got a concussion <laughs> from it like once okay it's been fixed the hydraulics are new we have extra supports it's fine it's been two years my head is I just proved I have a hard head yeah which is great. Is very true yeah but I can get into another car accident <sighs> and be fine okay <laughs> No, there's my prologue writ- written. <laughs> Excellent. The next bounty hunter. I'm searching for a bookmobile. Thief I could go on the something. run. Yeah. yeah. On the run in a bookmobile. She's going 15 miles an hour. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> uh, well, on a final and more serious note, what do you think, and it's a very open-ended question, what do you think about the state of Romance Landia and romance books today? It's hard to say, you know, like, I feel like there's so many different parts of Romance Landia. Like, I don't think it's all just one place. Like, I think there's just so many different camps of, you know, like indie authors and, you know, um, traditionally published authors. And there's so many subgenres of romance now that people are into, like monster romance. And I mean, it's just like huge and vast and it's always changing. It's like really a, an interesting landscape right now because with the pandemic, uh, readership of romance went up like 300%. Like, and so we have like a whole new surge of readers. And I feel like this happens every five to 10 years. Like you have a Twilight or you have a Fifty Shades or you have something that brings a just a massive wave of people in and everybody kind of like, it's like Plinko. Like people just kind of like slowly find their way into like what they love yeah it's great I don't know like the more romance readers the better and um it's the state of romance is it's changing it changes every day I don't know it's like um it's it's I feel like it's young right now it's really young and I feel like it's really kind of like people are taking big chances which I really like to see I like to see authors putting dragons on their covers (laughs) I you know like orcs and things like that I'm like what's going on I like it so I I like anything that is um women saying I like this thing and I'm not afraid to show it I'm not afraid to write about it and read it um I think that this like what what's different now that wasn't like what's different now is that the women that are reading romance are like not timid about it at all like it's very much like yeah I like praise during you know during the act of sex in a book I like and and I'm not afraid to go on TikTok and tell it to 400,000 people like I 
it's like it's so refreshing to see women just coming out and being like give me more of this I want this and this makes me feel happy and like just not being not apologizing for it that's really cool yeah are there any of those authors or books that are inspiring you right now in that sense yeah I mean I don't think um I don't think I would be writing a reverse harem <laughs> if it wasn't for uh probably Katie taking so many chances uh and so so many other authors just kind of like um stepping outside of their comfort zones and having people respond to them and uh just hearing about what people are liking on I mean Penelope Douglas like when people like really talking about Penelope Douglas so much on on TikTok and and enjoying the sort of sort of questionable nature of those storylines and really really liking them and not being able to not hiding the fact that they like them and um, it makes you really feel like you can try new things and there's no judgment and there's no um, sort, of, sort of shame in like, you know, just really exploring something, um, something exciting and something that's like really sexually related, you know, it's just, it's, it's freeing, I would say. Yeah. It feels like a really wide open universe and we just keep going and there's no end. There's no end. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're just gonna find more and more blue aliens as we go. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Ruby Dixon. That's another one. Like, I mean, I've been reading Ruby Dixon for a really long time, and to see like young women discovering Ruby Dixon and being like, "This is what I've been looking for." Like, it's like yes, and like so for so long, those books were just like in Ku, kind of like secretly devoured and not really talked about, and now that they're like on the and like yeah. table when you walk into Barnes and Noble like it's like hey we're here we like blue aliens and yeah. fucking deal with it <laughs> you know how Jen and I bonded yeah. back in the day was she introduced me to Ruby Dixon on the bookmobile um and we we haven't gone back since and yeah. our co-workers got so tired of us talking about blue aliens we got microphones <laughs> we and started talking about them we'll talk about it yeah we'll talk about it some other way totally yeah. I love it so thinking about how the world's changing I'm just kind of curious. I don't know if you have an answer, but have you, do you have any male readers Are like men getting on the bandwagon too with this? Cause you keep talking like, you know, women are empowered and we're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, are men chugging along with us? Are they catching up like, yet? Yeah. When they're like, all right, this is who I want. I want Bechdel or men like, all right, I'm paying attention to this now. Yeah. I think um, I'm getting, I, I get emails from uh, husbands every once in a while saying that they wanted to, to see what their wife was reading. So they read it. And now it's like become a thing that they enjoy doing together. Yeah, I think that's so smart. Like as a partner, yeah, as a partner, not even just as a man, but like as just a partner in life, like to take interest in what your partner is doing. It's like so sexy. And so like, why wouldn't you want to validate the person you love? And why wouldn't you want to like share and like understand why they're spending six hours a day staring at a dead tree <laughs> like, why wouldn't you want to know what that's about so um I think yeah I like it seems like very little still are men and if if there are men they're hiding mm -hmm. it seems like five percent of my newsletter is male subscribers so I feel like that's what we're working with five percent yeah curious. yeah yeah it's a good question I'm always trying to encourage uh husbands to read or at least try and read a couple of like, you know, read read a read a, an intimate scene and like 
you maybe it'll open a conversation with your wife like oh do you like that do you like that sort of thing like what do you and like that's important in a marriage like to kind of like keep that dialogue open about what you enjoy so I think it's just like a good thing to like not just in a marriage but in any relationship um but yeah it's it's I think romance is a lot it it could be a lot more important than people think it is if it's used correctly absolutely we agree 120 percent very healthy yeah well I do have one final question I lied please and it's a very difficult question I will admit what are you reading right now (gasps) (sighs) nothing (laughs) that's okay because you're writing a lot it's fine I do have uh, I do have the um, American Roommate Experience uh, experiment from Elena Armas uh, ready to go. I have an arc of that, and I have Georgie All Along by Kate Claiborne that's ready to go. Um, I just read Dating Dr. Dill by Nisha Sharma, which I really love. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was surprising. Uh, that's, that's what that one was. <laughs> Yeah, that's the most recent one I've read because I um like I've been working on a deadline, but I I need to read more because every time I read every time I read a few books, it's like it unlocks a bunch of like vocabulary in my head. I'm like, oh yeah, like I have I've got like an influx of different words or something. I'm just like it, it just helps to get out of my own head for a while and sort of like live in other worlds and it really like makes mine seem different and uh just like and it just, I mean, it helps me see things in a different light, just being in someone else's mind. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been an amazing hour of talking to you. We really Thank appreciate you. you so much for taking the time out of your busy writing, reading, hanging out with your family time to talk to us a little bit about all of this. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Again, we have so many Tessa Bailey books out there. You better start reading them or I'm going to be mad at you. We're going to yell at you. I, we can't yell I at you. I know them. where you live. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have the power of librarianship on our side. It's also illegal. Really, what I'll do is cry about it. I'll be very We'll confused. find a bounty hunter. I'm sure Tessa <laughs> yeah. is on the now. That sounds like. I've got, I've got him on speed dial. Yeah. <laughs> We'll come in the we'll come in the library mobile, crash right into your living room, <laughs> yeah. pull you out of your easy chair. <laughs> Thank, you, Thank you for having me, ladies. This is so much. This is so wonderful. Thank you. Thank Great you. questions, and you guys are awesome. Thank you. you? Tried so hard. <laughs> on that note, Jen, what do we always say? Rage on! Bye, guys. Bye, Tessa. Thank you again so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye.